Hi, this is Ariana Evans, and you are listening to I See You Mama, a podcast where we talk mom to mom about what feeds our souls. Sometimes we talk about silly stuff or serious stuff or funny stuff or weird stuff. You never know what you're going to get. And I feel like that's pretty much how my parenting experience has been. I can plan and read and hope for the best. And then these little people show up um, on the field or in the sphere. And and life just takes a different turn. And um, that's probably the part that I love the most about it. Is there's this little bit of unpredictable what? (laughs) That always comes with it. So you may not feel that way, but, you know, to each their own parenting style, right? And that is kind of what I wanted to get into. Um, we I've been talking about for a while, wanting to do more of a topical approach to the podcast. And um, this is my first guest and who actually, not my first guest, but my first guest who wants to talk about um, a topic, specifically a topic. So this is episode 39. And my guest is Lindsay Lowe, and we're specifically talking about parenting while going through the grief of losing a loved one. So it's not all sad. Um, You don't have to get out your tissues and brace yourself, but it is honest. And I think that as parents, um, it's good to be honest in how we deal with grief and how we deal with loss. Anyway, um, I'm going to jump right in with the interview, so here we go. Episode 39, this is Lindsay Lowe. Welcome to the podcast. This is Lindsay Lowe. Thank Do you spell you. with an E or an A, Lindsay? A. a. An A. Yeah. Okay. So Lindsay Lowe, we know each other from the playground. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Like most people in Nashville. <laughs> yes, we met at the playground at the ch- kids' school. And you have two, is that right? Yeah, I have two kids. Um, Casper's seven and Romy's four. Romy. Yeah. So is it short for something? Rosemary. Oh. Yeah. So with my accent, you know, being from England, I say Rosemary. And so, you know, having a child in America, I just decided that it would be nice to have a nickname for her. And so, yeah, the Romy thing sort of stuck. So. It wasn't like your son trying to pronounce it? No. And actually, when she was first born, he would always call her Rosemary, baby Rosemary. He was only sort of two and a half at the Aww. time. It was really cute. Yeah, Aww. I know. I just want to eat them when I they're know. at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I love the name Rosemary. And I actually think, like, maybe when she gets older, she might want to go to that, which I think is nice to have the option, you know? Right. So. Yeah. But she's she's a, you know, firecracker. So Romy suits her right now, that's for sure. <laughs> So let's talk about, we're going to talk and get to our topic, okay. but I want to talk about how you got here. Is your, yeah. is your spouse American? He's actually English. Okay. Yeah. So he's so from Yorkshire, you? which is uh, the north of England. Right. And um, I met him in London okay. when I was like two weeks shy of being 20. So I've known him a long time. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Yeah. I was in my first year at, at university and... Um, yeah, and he's actually a little bit older than me, so that was a thing, you know. But um, no, I'm half English, half American. So okay. the accent is really confusing for a lot of people, especially when they meet my other, you know, um, family members in Nashville because they oh, all have do? American accents, <laughs> and I'm the one with the English one. Why are you? So, Eng- but you're. It's confusing. I know. So basically, my mum's English, my dad's American, and we moved here um, when I was twelve. Okay. So where did they meet? So they met in London. My dad was over on a business trip from LA. Okay. So he was in the music business and he met my mum one night in London. It's like a fairy tale, basically. It could be a (laughs) romantic comedy because they met and married three weeks later. What? Yeah. Shocking everyone, I'm sure. I know. So, but actually, his parents and her mum was like cool with it. Really? Yeah. This was in the 70s, too, so I guess guess things are different back then. (laughs) The 70s, yeah, you get met, it's a, who knows what the world will be. I know. So, yeah, so, um, you know, we were living in, I was born in England, and my brothers, so I'm the middle child. 
And then my parents wanted us to move to America and sort of experience the American life, but it took a long time to sell the house. It was during the housing crash in England of like the early 90s. Okay. And by the time we sold the house and moved here, so we actually moved to Nashville in 93 when I was nine. Moved, wait, he was working in LA, but you moved to Nashville. Yeah, so I know. Well, so he wasn't in, yeah, he wasn't in LA for long, but um, when he met my mum, and then they decided just to sort of live in England for a while. Um, when they were deciding to move back to America, his parents live in Tucson. So originally they thought they would go out west and be in Arizona. Mm. And then it made more sense for his career to be somewhere like LA, New York or Nashville was the third option, even though he's not in country music or anything. Right. But he was on the board of the CMAs. And so he used to have to come for work a few times and he actually really enjoyed the city. And so he took my mum once and they were like, yeah, let's move here. Because it, you know, it seemed to be really family friendly and it had seasons. And yes, or at the time they nice. saw the seasons, <laughs> maybe not so much now. now yeah, I know. But um, so, yeah. So then um, we moved here, but it only lasted a few months, about three months in 93 before my dad got offered a really amazing job back in London. Uh. So we actually moved all of our stuff, sold the house, went to Nashville, bought our house and then and cars and schools we were ready to go and then we went back to London three months later what yeah that's not disruptive at all no not disruptive no I was nine years old (laughs) my older brother was 11 my younger brother was five yeah it was mental so then you went back yeah sold all this stuff yeah yeah went back to England no we just shipped everything back so the record company that my dad um got that job through paid for the shipping oh, nice. so at least you're like we just got here yeah you're <laughs> yeah. shipping all for this. the inconvenience what <laughs> yeah I mean I, d- I remember that time really well it was the first time I was in Nashville so of course you know that's a big memory for me yeah and playing you know it was in the summer so getting used to the heat yeah the humidity the yes. bugs but also playing bugs. in like the you know little creeks and stuff it was nice yeah it so nice it's like an extended vacation, basically. Because <laughs> then I went back to school in England in September and my friends are like, wait, we said goodbye to you. What are you doing back here? I don't know. <laughs> it was really confusing. <laughs> I um, moved. Yeah. And so then we were in England for three more years in a different house that my parents just rented because they figured, well, we just sold the house. Like, we're not going to bother buying anything because we don't really know where we're going to end up. Right. And after my dad's three-year contract, he said, right, we're going back to Nashville now. Because they never sold the house in Nashville. They rented it out. Oh, okay. So we went back to that house when I was 12. And then I went into seventh grade. And it was a very crazy, complicated time for me, you know, heading into puberty and all of that. In a new country. In a new country, new culture, Mm -hmm. people making fun of you. I mean, people do that anyway at that age. So, you know, think about this. I'm like an English, you know a girl with an English accent who doesn't understand the currency, <laughs> putting money in the vending machine. I mean, it was just yes, a bit of a tricky time. Mm. But, I, you know, I got through it and I, it, you know, made some good friends and stuff. Good. So, and then you moved back? Yeah, so when I finished high school, I went to the same school through sev- um, seventh grade through senior year. And then I was really determined to live in England because we would go back to England every summer and visit family and friends yes. and whatnot so that was one of my mum's sort of things that she said to my dad was like if we're going to America I'm going back to visit every year that's just what's going to happen yeah and so we did that and I just always felt more at home there and I just really loved your accent worked better there okay <laughs> well I don't know I mean people like the accent here too but you know it is tiring a little bit when people can't understand you or whatever it's getting better now because people are into like english tv now so yes. <laughs> they can understand us a little better i know well at the time the world it's true in the 90s you know they really didn't just they just didn't watch any of that stuff so it wasn't really available um i mean no it was really weird parents no like mine, well we had bbc america go yeah. and record stuff and then oh really we would watch it yes yeah well we had bbc american so i would always stay up to date with like eastenders and graham norton show and all of that stuff so that was fun um but yeah um went back so yeah i knew i was going to go to university in england and so that was just basically what was going to happen ever since i was 16 i was like yes this is what i'm going to do um so at 18, yeah, right after I graduated high school, 
in May. I moved in the August or July, something like that. Right. And I went to London. And I had a gap year in London. I was one of the first people in my grade actually to do that, to take some t- a year out. I love that idea. Yeah. And it's very, people are like, what? Mm. Here still. But I really think it's, think it's a good, okay. it's such a it's, good thing, but it's. It's quite popular in England, actually. Yes. Um, I yeah, would I was say telling you, it's half and this, half yeah. what they do. But over here, I think it's getting a little bit yeah. you know, more common. I know that. Um, one of the Obama daughters, she did that, didn't she? Yes. So. Well, and I think people for some schools will, you know, offer you a scholarship, but then they won't hold it oh, for another right. year. And so yeah. there's this risk of like, I might not. Right. Ah, yeah. You know, this kind of panicky. Like, yeah. No, just take a year and figure sure. it out. Figure out how it is to be well, an I adult Well, I just feel like you're so, you're so young. Yes. And to go from one institution to another without even processing what is happening to you at that time. I think it was really good for me. Also, transitioning from America back to England to have that time to really think about what it is I'm doing in England, you know? And so, um, but I didn't like just sit on my bum all day long. I was uh, was working, I did work experience in London in the music industry, because that's what I wanted to do at the time, so. So fancy. Yeah. And then I waitressed in the uh, the weekends. (laughs) A little pizza restaurant. Oh, well, you know, you gotta do something. Fill the time. Yeah, so I did that and then um, went to university the next year in Liverpool, okay. which was really cool. And that was a three. So the difference, again, one of the, another difference um, between English and American universities is that a regular um, program is only three years. It's not four. Right. So I still graduated the same year as all my friends in America. That's good to know. Even after having that gap year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, and then went to London straight after graduating university and then bought a flat in London with my boyfriend, now my husband. And then, um, you know, we, we would go visit America a lot. And when my brother got married here back in 2011, we were walking my parents' dog around the neighborhood. Um, and it was a really sunny, beautiful day and my boyfriend was just like, um, I think we should move here. <laughs> and so that was the first time I really thought about, could we do this, you know, come yeah. back. Yeah. And then, um, of course, my parents were really encouraging of that as well. Of course they, they missed, were. Missed right. us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so, and then, um, so we decided we were going to try it. But then I got um, pregnant with Casper. Okay. And I knew that I wanted to have a baby in England. I just had, the f- I just didn't want to, do all of that in America. Right. When it's a I'm, lot. Yeah. Moving, pregnant. Ugh, yes. No, I didn't want to do it. And we have the NHS over there. So right. I really wanted to sort of take so advantage you of that. like 10 grand for your kid. <laughs> yes. Like I did. But. Oh, I know. It's so weird. But it costs money to have a child. I know. It's just <laughs> such a strange concept to me. But anyway. Um, yeah. So I, um, so we delayed the move and then we moved in 2013. So I've been here. It's yeah. coming up to seven years. It'll be seven years in June. That's a good long time. That we've been back. Yeah. And you had both of your kids in England or one here? One no, year? just, um, so Casper was born in London and then I had Romy here in 2015. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to do another episode about the difference. Oh, yes. Yes. Between Maybe. sometime England and America yes. having children. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah, that would be And also one. I had home births with both children. Oh, yeah. So the difference in that might be a good subject to chat about as well. I agree. Yeah. So the topic that you wanted to talk about this time was something that was I've been really wanting to do an episode mm-hmm. on for quite some time, which is parenting in grief. Yeah. So you had um, a pretty devastating experience yeah and I did too so oh, uh, I, didn't I lost a, a brother is it three years now it feels like it was like yesterday I know but I can't remember I think it's three years yes it's I was thinking yeah. about it this morning as well as like I should really remember the exact time it happened yeah because uh, you know I'll be asked that question and you do have to sort of think about it a little bit yeah I can't remember now I can't remember if it's well two what or year three. was it See, I can't remember. Oh, it just really? feels like it was no. last month. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, no, that was, just, that was this year, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, my mom died in 2017. Um, it'll be three years in May, okay. um, which sounds crazy to me. Because like you said, it just feels 
sometimes it feels like it's been a long time and then but most mostly it's just still very raw and recent yeah. Yeah. so that's why it feels weird to say like it was too I know I, I don't like, like saying was, years no, my grief counselor like, no, said no, that that's a real thing that people go through yeah when you have each season pass or year pass and saying that mm-hmm. seems really strange yeah because it still feels like it was Cause very recent. You're getting further away from that person is uh-huh. another thing that she was sort of mentioning. But. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I just thought that um, it's important to chat about it. And I was, I was willing to volunteer this information to you because um, I find a lot of the times people really don't talk about it. Right. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Yeah, okay. So... Um, or they want to change the subject because it's just too difficult. Mm-hmm. And even being in somewhere like America where I feel like you guys are a lot more open with your feelings, actually. Are we? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, in England, it really is something people just... It's just not what we're programmed to do is to sort of talk about, like, personal stuff. Right. It's getting better, <laughs> definitely. I mean, there's a few podcasts I like from England that actually deal with grief, and that's oh, been really they? helpful to me. Yeah, there's one called Griefcast, and um, I only just found out about it yeah. like a month ago, maybe. But it's been going for a few years, and it's um, presented by a comedian. So it's a that's really helpful. cool aspect because she lost her dad young, and she interviews other comedians, or now it's just like other famous people basically. Right. But it started out as being a thing where you interview comedians about death, about, oh. well not, not about death, but just about their grieving process. Yeah. So it's kind of in an interesting light, you know, they're, they're, but they're having really honest conversations with each other about it. Yeah. And they, cool. you know, remember, each guest, you know, remembers their loved one or whatever. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, you and should check an, it out. Is there another one? There's, well, um, it was, I can't remember the name of it, but there's one about, it's more about centered around cancer, actually, and that's what my mum died of. So Mm. when I found out about that podcast, and that was run by three women who have cancer. Oh, wow. And these English, um, one's a journalist, and the other two, I think, were just bloggers that have, you know. So we'll look up the the name of that one and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It'll come to you. Um, yeah, I could I can look it up, but um, but then I kind of stopped listening to it because um, it was just really hard to listen to that. Yeah. But also, one of the girls actually died. Oh God. I know. So that was even more like tragic. But I don't think they would want you to stop listening because of that. Right. If anything, they want you to keep, keep going because right. you know, in, in memory of her. But that was mm. really tough because it was like, oh, this is a real, real. thing, real. and she was young. She had a little boy. I mean, the whole thing was just, but I was, um, it did help me for a while listening to that and just face up to what was happening and comparing other people's experiences with it. Yeah. So there's one that's from an American woman. She's a writer. I think she was a journalist too. I can't remember. Her name is Nora McInerney. Mm-hmm. which is a mouthful, <laughs> McInerney, okay. I'm it right. And hers is called Terrible, Thanks for Asking. So when people oh, say, how are yes. you? Terrible, thanks for asking. That's a good name. And she talks about her own experience. She had a husband die of cancer while mm-hmm. they had little bitty babies. Mm-hmm. And then um, she brings people on to talk about their own grieving process and mm. what that looked for them. And I would just like put oh, it yeah, on and then one. walk the neighborhood and just ugly cry. Yeah. <laughs> in, oh. the, in the pre-dawn hours of like walking <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's cathartic. I think it is. I think it is. And sometimes people may think, I mean, I'm, I'm very conscious of what other people think, which I just, that is a really bad trait of mine. I need to stop doing that. Right. I'm constantly overthinking that stuff because if it's helping me, then why why care what anyone else thinks? Right. But sometimes it's good to sit in it. It's sometimes good to like wallow. Yeah. And sometimes you actually have to like search that out because especially as, as parents and our lives are so dictated by our children and everyday stuff that it's really easy to f- kind of forget what's just happened to you. And I think sometimes it's important yeah. to remember what you've been through. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
So when my brother died, my dad told, I'm going to cry. And no, I, I know. That's okay. We were sitting at this table and my dad called me and we were having dinner. And I was like, my dad never calls me. And I answered. He doesn't call me at this time. He calls me. But he doesn't call me like during dinner time. Um, he called me and he told me and I just immediately like lost it in front of the kids and ran upstairs and told my husband and and they were like, what just, what mom? Like they had never seen me no. like that. No. And then we were just really honest with them. Like I'm going to be a wreck for a long time mm-hmm. and it's not your job to fix it and you didn't make this happen. It's not your fault and I'm still here for you. I'm just really sad sometimes and. It, like we were just really kind of laid it out for all that because I was like I can't go through this and like suck it up and no. be like <laughs> you know stiff no, lip. well how old were your children at the time so if I'm remembering correctly and it was 2017 which feels weird to say mm-hmm. um that was two years ago so they were like nine seven and five right so they were yeah so they were a little older than mine so they could kind of understand a bit more yeah what it's what even losing somebody is yeah so um so casper my son was um i guess four Mm. and then romy was um a baby she wasn't even two yet so you know she wasn't really talking even just sort of little words here and there so really that was tough because um i'd asked my husband to tell him that nana had died and it was like, wow, that was, a, that, yeah, that was hard. And then he didn't really do it. I don't know. I can't remember why. And so, cause my mom died in the night and I had been there with her, you see. And so then the next morning and I'd had my, um, aunties stay with us. It was just, a, there was a lot going on because of our situation with my mom being English and her family being in, in London. And they all came to visit when we knew it was really serious and my mum was in hospice. So um, so I had two of the aunties stay with me in the house. So I was actually like, not that they were expecting it, but I was hosting <laughs> as well Yeah. <laughs> during this time. And so then the next day having to tell Casper what had happened. And I really didn't know how to say it because I didn't want to freak him out or say that she'd like is gone forever because in my at that time I wasn't really feeling that way because I was feeling quite spiritual about the whole thing because I was like literally with her when she died and I felt this sort of crazy feeling when she when her soul left her body or whatever it was and so um so at the time I was really like oh well she's she's not physically here but I didn't actually say the word die I can't really remember it was a really I just remember being outside because it was a beautiful sunny day it was in May Mm-hmm. And um, I was out on the porch with him and we just, um, you know, I had to explain it a few times because I think I was being a little bit vague, but I honestly didn't really, I didn't really know what else to do. I guess I could have just, I don't know, because yeah. I'm not a really a religious person per se. So I couldn't, I don't want to say things that I don't necessarily know, I mean, that I don't necessarily believe in. So I didn't say sort of heaven or anything. My brother had said that with his daughter, who's the same age, Mm -hmm. um, and that's fine. But for me, I didn't want to say that. So I just said, you know, um, Nana's watching over us. Nana's spirit is with us still. But then I had to explain what a spirit was to him. Yes. Oh, man. The whole thing. And then a few weeks later, you know, he'd be like, well, where is Nana? Is she coming back? And it was, Mm. I think I was probably too vague. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's, it's a really hard conversation to have with a four is. year old, and it's hard so. to, for them to understand what death is because they don't they have no concept of what do you mean no. you just stop being. Yes, we hadn't had that conversation about death before beforehand. Yeah, about anything like an animal or a bug or any of that. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was hard, but I think he took it pretty well, and um, and he's just the sweetest, most sensitive boy ever. So. Um, now he's just so great with the whole thing and explaining the situation to Romy now that Romy's that age so Romy's now four and we've got pictures of mum all around Mm. and um, you know we talk about her a lot and that's all you can do really yeah just to keep her memory alive yeah 
Sorry, Center. I got distracted. It really bothers me that I can't remember the year that my brother died. Oh. I'm like, why can't I remember this? Why? It's because you probably, like, oh. stunted it from your... Yeah. So I'm, like, looking up his Facebook page, and then I'm like... You don't know what Was happened. that sudden, then? It was suicide. Oh, So my it was very goodness. sudden. Um, he was a Marine. This is him. Oh. He was a goober. Oh, here, here he is in his uniform with his wife. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Gosh, that's really, that's a tough one. But it's so weird that I can't, like, that number isn't burned in my brain oh, like for what all month time. It was? I know exactly what day it was, but I can't. Yeah. I'm like, what year was that? Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. And it's not like I've forgotten no. him. I'm just like, no, 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 no. It seems You're blocking weird out to say whole... that it was, yeah, that long ago. Because it doesn't feel that No, long. it doesn't. Well, I just, I mean, and so much has happened, hasn't it, in the last few years, yeah. like, in terms of, like, the world, <laughs> everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it still feels, especially, so it was my mom's birthday on Monday. Um, so what are we on now? Because it was about three days ago. And it's, so, of course. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, today. It's hard to try. <laughs> so, it's weird this week. Yeah. I'm having an extra day off. Oh, exactly. So, yeah, on MLK Day was her birthday, so the kids were off school. And um, so there was just a lot of – that always brings back a lot of memories. I'm sure it's the same thing with your brother. Yeah. And it's like birthday. a big – yeah, a big sort of thing like that. And um, and so, yeah, I've just been thinking about it a lot. I mean, not that I don't think about her anyway, but um, yeah, it's literally just like all the time she's in my mind all the time yeah and it really it feels like it, it intensifies around days like birthdays and holidays and yeah like the, the anniversary anniversary of, the, of their passing yeah. and all these things that I'm like I oh I'm a wreck today like mm-hmm. normally I uh, um, my dad I can't well I can't remember who now posted it was like uh, somebody posted a picture it was basically a box with a ball in it and there's a button and so it's a very mm. weird analogy. Mm. But when pain, when grief is big and new, that ball is bouncing around and it's hitting the pain button mm. all the time. Mm. And then as the ball shrinks over time, it's still bouncing around in the box, but it doesn't hit that button as often. Mm. Whereas at first it just felt like, mm. uh, what? All the time, all the time, all the time. And it kind of has lessened, but then it'll... But then, then it can hit still me and hit. I'm like, Ugh. And then it can feel just like it did in the right. beginning. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I felt the other day. Because, um, and, and like I was saying earlier, where you sometimes like seek out the pain or seek out the, the grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for the last few months, I'd be like, why am I okay? Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm moving, I felt bad, like moving on from it or something. But in a way, it's just like, like you said, it's just time yeah. does help. I wouldn't say it heals, but it helps. And then the other day, it literally just hit me like a ton of bricks again, where I was saying to my husband, I can't believe she died. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we've had a few years now yeah. to process that. And I literally was like sobbing, going, I just still can't believe that that happened. Right. And I never thought I would say that even now. I'm sorry. I don't want to get you upset. <laughs> it's true. I mean, sorry. I just cry no, all the time. We need a tissue. <laughs> Got his napkin. Get a um, napkin. I've, it's, it doesn't, like, it doesn't feel real all the time. You know, because no. I have a very separate life here in Nashville. And right. he and his wife and kids lived in Texas. Yeah. And when I go back to Texas, then it feels like, it hits me in the face. Right, because it's all around yeah, you. Yeah, I'm like, he's not here. Mm. <laughs> he should be here. Mm. And that's the hardest part yeah. to really process and really think about. Yeah. And, and, be, and being around his family, too. Yeah. His See, that's, kids, yeah. especially, oh, it gets me. Mm. Well, and his lovely wife, who really believed it was all her fault that he died. Oh, and my goodness. I'm like, no. <laughs> You did not cause this. You did not cause this. But I think the hardest part for me was continuing to be a consistent parent 
when I was literally falling apart. Yeah. And and the kids were very gracious, and Matt was here too, so he was like, all right, come on, everybody. We're going to give Mama a minute. But, like, really, at, at, at like a year out, the kids were like, are you sad? Are you thinking about your brother? I'm like, um, <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> and then you said his name, and now I'm kind of a mess again. But uh-huh. I'll just be sad. But they attributed everything to that specific oh. point of grief. Like, yeah. Are you sad about your brother? Are you sad about Uncle So Daniel? any emotion like, that you show, it's about him. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just sad sometimes. Yeah. And that was the really... But one of the good parts I found was that we talked so much about grief and being open and sharing and talking about how we feel and not like bottling it up so it comes out sideways. And we uh-huh. did all of this really beautiful work that felt really hard at the time and I kind of hated that I had to just to explain what grief was was for them and for me I hated that I was having to do it but yeah. at the same point how did you get to that point of talking about it I mean well I mean I was just raggedy hot mess <laughs> so and they're like what is going on I'm like well <laughs> this yeah. is how I feel right now yeah. and and they were like well can you need a hug I'm like it's not Hugs are nice, but you don't have to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to feel all these big feelings for a long time. Mm. And it just, I felt like it, it came up at first every day, every day, every day, every day. And then it would kind of stretch out to like once a week. And now it's every couple of months if I'm having like a hard time, especially my very empathetic middle kid will be like, are you thinking about Uncle Manuel? I'm like, <laughs> God, I wasn't. <laughs> Until you brought Until it up. Until you said that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I do I do feel like he crosses my mind every day in some aspect. Exactly. And I'm like, oh. Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah. So you guys this. were close. We we weren't really. It's funny. I'm one of seven, and he oh, was the yeah. baby. So when I left for college, he was 10. Mm. And then I never moved back home after right. that. Yeah. And so you went in the house. It was this. Right. Same They're child. in the formative years. Yeah. I would say that his his closest siblings that he was most connected with were the other two. So it was kind of like we came in two sets, like the oldest four. And then my the baby sister of that four was kind of like the oldest sister for the next three. Okay. So it just kind of because of the just the age. So she felt she like she was big sister to the baby sure. three. And then the baby three were, you know, troublemakers and got into all kind of mess together. And But really, we had all gone by the time they were in, in their teens. So right. it, it didn't feel like as connected. Like he and sure. I talked a lot and we had a lot of really good conversations. But I had already moved to Nashville. Yeah. Like even before he graduated high school. Right. So I was gone. Yeah. For, And so we didn't have the same kind of deep um brother sister bond that i have with my other older and that might be another thing that you're grieving as well yes it really is like there was a part of me that i was like oh i didn't take enough time right for him like i really didn't i wasn't the best sister that i could have been for him you know wow it's everything in hindsight you know right i mean but you feel like you have time to do that Sure. It wasn't like I and and maybe that's because his death was very sudden mm. and very traumatic. Um, there wasn't any time to accept that it was happening. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't like he was sick and there was a slow passing. Right. It was a uh, oh I thought we had all the time in the world. Mm. You know. So yeah, it hits you even harder. I think. Yeah, my birthday was the day before, and he had called me on my birthday. Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> we just talked yeah. yesterday. And this is... Well, you had that, though. Right. But, I mean, at the time, that must have been even harder to yes. process the whole thing. Yeah. If you it heard really from him the day before. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I just think that it's important to talk about this stuff and... Um, for me, I just miss having somebody to talk to about life. You know, I just, mum was my person. So, you know, when we had a memorial for her in my 
you know, I, I spoke, my brothers spoke as well, and my dad. And that was one thing that I wanted to say was that she was she was my person. She was my best friend. Yeah. As well as being a mum. And so um and she never really liked tech modern technology, so she wouldn't text or anything. We would <laughs> call each other and we would speak on the phone. Yeah. And now I just really miss who do I talk to on the phone? Right. I don't have that anymore. Yeah. So um and I think it's important to talk about her because I don't want people to, in our family, and I know that they don't, but because I am the only girl, sometimes I, th- I find it hard to talk about to these things to my male family to the men in the family, and I know they think about her, oh my gosh, of course they do, yeah. um, but we just do it in different ways. Right. I, I like to like openly chat about it, and I don't think they... They're a bit more stoic. Well, I think maybe because it's hard for them. I don't know. I don't want to... I don't want to assume anything because I just don't know. But um, this is the kind of stuff that I would talk to mum about. And that's what gets me right. a lot of the time. Yeah. Is when I'm going through these things, that's the only person I want to talk to. Yeah. And she was such a great listener. And um, I mean, she, you know, she was just the best. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, she was here in Nashville. So my parents stayed here. Mm-hmm. the whole time and that was obviously a big part of why we came back was to be near them especially after having Casper having a baby and right. I remember when I was pregnant and I came to visit this was um I think I was about four months pregnant something like that and my mum and I had visited her mum who incidentally married an American as well when <laughs> she was in her 60s but that's another conversation because that's an amazing story too and they were living in Florida. And so I want, we went to visit her. I wanted to see her. And then as I was leaving Florida to go back home to England, I literally lost it. I, I lost it. This was before I even knew my mum was sick. And she actually had had a hysterectomy that like previous winter. Mm-hmm. Um, Did she not tell you? She told me that she had the hysterectomy, but she didn't say the reasons why. She just said it was like, oh, it's just woman stuff and um, I kind of <laughs> believed it because my auntie had had one and my grandmother and I just figured it was like a hereditary thing and I was probably going to have to have one at that age falling out. Yeah, and I was like okay fine but I remember being sad of course when she told me that she was having this big surgery that I was in, in London freaking out going oh my gosh I just wish I could be over there you know and that's what made me think I have to be near my parents because you know as they get older being so far away right. and if something like that happens you can't be there it's just such a horrible feeling um i always get the phone call after oh well your dad is in there (laughs) yeah like what i know Ah. well they told me the day before it wasn't like i had much yeah you know time on it they were like oh yeah i'm just having this little thing but anyway so i was yeah pregnant with casper fast forward a few more months few months later and i was at the airport leaving she was going back to nashville i was going back to london and i literally i've never been this way where, um, cause you know, I'd been living away from them for the last 10 years and I felt like I was 10 and I sobbed and I fell to my knees in the airport. This is crazy, but I have such a vivid memory of this. Where I was like, I can't leave you, mom. I'm really sad. Like, I don't want to say goodbye. I think it was also cause I was incredibly hormonal being <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> but I was just like, don't I need my mummy. I need my mummy. I don't want to yeah I just don't want to say goodbye anymore and so then we moved to Nashville the next year (laughs) (laughs) it's really there's some beauty in like the time you guys had together in the yeah you know well that's what a lot of my mum's friends who are here who um have been really great with me um keep saying it was such a good thing that you came when you did yeah and I didn't know about the cancer then so how after you moved here, how long, how, what was the timeline for her cancer? Well, um, she probably hates the fact that I'm talking about it because she kept it from us and um, in and from everyone else because she was just such a private person. Mm-hmm. It was really something she didn't want everyone knowing. Mm-hmm. And also she didn't want us worrying. Yeah. And I'd just gotten married. I was just newly pregnant and she just didn't want us to have to think about all of that very selfless if you think about it but in a way at the time but it's so hard to carry all that by yourself yeah ex- oh 
and my dad my dad knew yeah and, and it was just there it. Mm-hmm. and that's oh. something that obviously was very hard for him um i wouldn't have been able to do no it. but i would have blabbed to everybody i know I and that's what my dad <laughs> my dad said the same thing he's like if i had cancer i would just tell everyone yeah um, and it's true it's like people do things in a different way and you can't like he just had to respect her opinion you know her decision on that and she was very forthright about it so um and it's you know it's obviously sad i'm sad that i didn't know ahead of time but um you know that was her wish so um yeah we moved 2013 and um her cancer had come back i suppose so she'd had the hysterectomy because it was like at a smaller stage and then i don't really know like the thing is i don't i still don't really know the specifics right because we never really went into it it was just something we didn't really talk about Hmm. so but yeah she she had to have treatment okay sort of chemo chemo radiation radiation in the august and i moved in the june okay oh and my grandmother was dying at the same time what she died in september that year it was awful that was a crazy time and casper was nine months old so baby yep new house i just bought a house in east nashville and my mom was going through chemo and then my grandmother was dying i mean it was just it's just an explosive year yes for sure so so your mom went through chemo in august and then when did she pass away well, that was in 2013, and she and and then um, it was stable for a while. So she was sort of back to normal in a funny way. Like even though she didn't say the cancer was gone, it was just like, oh, you have cancer, but you can live with it. And that's what she kept saying to me. She's like, so many people, you know, have this and so, and just keep going. And I'm like, okay. And I was just so blinded by. It. I was like, great, whatever. And then I was pregnant with Romy, and I just maybe I was in denial or because she didn't like talking about it we just yeah. never did that yeah. and she seemed so well and healthy mm. so we just didn't talk about it and then I guess stuff kept coming I don't really know if it came back or the, the tumor grew I don't really I still don't really know all yeah. that stuff but um she had to do sort of new treatments and things and then um in 2016 it, it, it actually ended up being quite a fast um, decline because mm. after Christmas of 2016 and my in-laws were in town for Christmas and we went round to my mum's for Christmas day and um, my mum is an amazing cook and does a great traditional English English roast sort of Christmas roast dinner right and um but my mother-in-law could tell that she was tired and said something, I think. Or maybe after the fact now, she's telling me like, oh yes, I think your mum really wanted us to have that Christmas all together and she wanted to do it because maybe she thought that was gonna be the last time. But I didn't even know that she was super sick then. It was just all a bit of a blur, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm still having to like think back to those times and what yeah. happened, yeah. the timeline of it all. but. Um, when I think back to that day, it was the day that George Michael died. I don't oh, know if you Lord. remember that. He died on Christmas Day. No. Yeah, in 2016. And, and I saw it in the new like, it came up on my phone, and it was while we were eating dinner, and I was like, oh, my God, George Michael, George Michael died. And I looked over at her, and she looked really like, I don't know, she just looked really sullen. And I was like, oh. anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that, but maybe because she thought something was going on with her and her body I mean only she would know right Right. how she was feeling and she didn't tell you no again she just didn't want us to worry and um but I do remember a few days after Christmas she's saying that she'd had a test and it was good news so in my estimation I thought things were looking up right and she was super excited and then she got sick again January like feeling really unwell again and went back for tests and and told us that yeah she's got now cancer in the stomach or whatever you know it spread right and that she'd have to have immunotherapy which was like this new at the time that was like a very new drug or new treatment plan right that people didn't know about so um so when she told us again um sort of february time that's february of 2017 
was when she was a lot more honest or not honest I shouldn't say honest more open about what was going on and would talk to me about stuff and that's when I got crazy into the internet researching everything yes I finally was like it all clicked I was like I need to know what's going on yeah because she was in a lot of pain Mm. and um it was like okay we need to sort this out you do not need to be in pain when you have cancer you actually don't yeah if you've got the right um you know medicine and anyway do you feel i mean there just as a side note there it's i wanted to say briefly about the american um way of doing things which mm. sucks um in terms of healthcare because yeah. watching my parents and other people i've known and myself like really putting themselves at extreme financial risk to have medical procedures Mm -hmm. that in the UK would be a different story. Yeah. I mean, I don't know too much about it, but my mother-in-law who is in England, um, you know, because I was getting her advice while mum was going through this stuff that, you know, that winter, you know, February, sort of January, February time, and March was when I was really worried about the assistance that she was getting for her um, pain relief. And um, I was speaking to my mother-in-law and she was saying, well, you know, does she have a team? Because in England you get, if you're diagnosed with cancer or that kind of illness, you are um, assigned a, a team that are specific to you and your needs. And, right. and they make sure that you have everything you need. And I was like, I don't think they do that here. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, yeah, but my mom. Maybe if you're in the hospital, there's a team, but. But in terms of like, you have, um, obviously you have your doctor, but then you have um, a nurse, you have somebody that might come to the house, you know, an in-home carer, that kind of stuff. No, that happens here. No. So um, so we were really, my dad and I were literally just trying to like figure it all out. Because right. it was just, it was like this, all of a sudden she was just, you know, getting sicker and sicker and um, realizing that, like, do we need an in-home nurse or a care? Like, it was just the whole thing was, and she kept being in and out of the hospital in March and April. Um so that time was just really, it was just really fast paced trying to figure it all out. And then by the time we did, it was all, it was kind of too late because she got rushed to the hospital and then was in the ICU and then transferred from there to hospice. Mm-hmm. And then she died less than a week later. So it all happened very, very quick. So she was sick for a while, but then the decline was super fast. Right. And so you were talking about your brother and how it was like quite a sudden, obviously yeah. very sudden. But for me, that's how I felt with mum because we were just trying to like get on top of it, thinking like, okay, we just need to get her to recover and get through this before she can go for her next treatment. And then her body was like, no, can't come back from this. Right. Because she had spent nine days in the hospital. And I feel like that time in the hospital where she was just in her bed, it just kind of, it just didn't, it just didn't help. And her body couldn't recover. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. Mm. Yeah. So it was, and a lot of people didn't know she was sick. Again, some of her friends didn't know how sick she was. Mm -hmm. So that was hard going to the memorial and a lot of people coming up to her going, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think there's, there's, I think for a long time people didn't talk about, maybe more so in America, but there were a whole lot of things you didn't talk about when I was growing up. Yeah. Not necessarily in my family. There were some things we just didn't talk about. But really as a whole, like, so when my brother died, it also, like, opened up when my grandmother died. Because she was, sev- I was 17 when she died. Mm. And they were, I remember it so vividly. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And no one talked to me about grief or processing or anything. And, um, no. you know, my family got together and... We just all made jokes, like we about just your about her and yeah. laughed and like That's all the so funny things that she had done. But sure. no one, like we did that, but never nobody ever said, 
and now we just all cry together. <laughs> like we didn't do that part. Uh-huh. And so I went back to school after she died and a teacher came up to me and said, oh, I heard about your grandma, I'm so sorry. And I was furious. I was like, how dare you make me feel that way here? Oh, I was so mad. Like rather than you like, thank you. Oh, I was yeah. so mad okay. because you know, you high school was like a war zone anyway. Yeah. You were on the defense. Like yeah. people see you being vulnerable, they're just gonna slaughter no, you. I get it. And so, but for it's also her, like, how did you find out? It's that kind of thing right. as well. Yeah. And then you hear, I was just like, I don't want to talk about this ever. No. And so, when my brother died, it actually let me process her death better oh. as well. So, okay. Because I was able to go back to that and be like, these are the things I never talked about when she died. Right. That I can now talk about because I have those skills and tools and yeah. I have people I can call and you know, understanding and therapy. And we we're actually going to a therapist at the time. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, we need to talk about this. Yes. Too. Yes. So I had never done therapy or counseling or anything like that. And then when she died, um, my dad, because um, she died at a live hospice. Mm-hmm. And so they actually, um, they give you free grief counseling there if you've had somebody. Yeah. Um, be in that place so um so we used that to our advantage I suppose and my dad wanted to go see a grief counselor and then he suggested we all do that and um I was kind of against it for a while I think it was just because I wasn't ready at the time but then about six months later something like that I decided I was ready I think you've got to do it in your own time yeah um and I was glad I did it um I probably should still be going (laughs) (laughs) but you know life well, I think it goes in, in waves. Like, I don't spend, we've probably gone to therapy in like four or five different sets. Mm-hmm. Like, we are. So, like, couples, I'll go, you mean? Couples, yeah. or I'll go by myself and be like, okay, I need to process this thing and I don't know how. Right. Um, so, I look at it as like a tune up. Yeah, I think <sighs> that I should do and have a little tune up, especially during these like, funny times so like mum's birthday or even your birthday to be honest like when it's my birthday it's really hard yeah it's really hard and I share a birthday with my dad (laughs) so it's like double whammy right of just you know family and her not being here yeah so and it takes away like that I've watched another friend grieve and I think her dad died on her birthday so it really just Ruined her birthday forever. Yeah. Um, I had another friend whose dad died around her birthday, and she literally said, I'm changing my birthday. Really? To, like, from winter to summer. Like, I'm going to have a summer birthday. This is my birthday now. Well. Because she could not even celebrate anywhere around that time. I was like, I totally understand that. I get it. My mom was very, very sick on my birthday. Um, And so my birthday's in April, and she died the 1st of May. So, um, and my husband's birthday is at the end of May. So, I mean, sorry, end of April. So, you know, that could have been a situation right. where she died on his birthday. We're changing our birthdays. <laughs> I know. Just FYI. We're changing our birthdays. <laughs> at least it's like a two-day difference. But, you know, sometimes yeah. I feel like the day of her death is almost like, I don't, it sounds strange, but like we should really celebrate her on that yeah. day and not try to be too sad about it. But if it's that hard. makes sense. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think there are times when I, with my siblings, really celebrate my brother, and there are times when I'm just mad. Mm. <laughs> really, truthfully, I'm mad. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Like, mm, why did this happen? No, exactly. I get it. <laughs> so, it's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to celebrate all the great things about my brother, and there were a lot, but I'm just kind of pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Also, the way that that happened for you with yeah. and him, with him and stuff—that's some—that's another whole another thing. Like you can't, yeah. Like when somebody dies of an illness, like you can just go on about the illness. Yeah, you know. Well, I was also mad when my grandma died. I was so mad. Yeah. And she died pretty suddenly. She had an aneurysm. Right. And uh, I just—I think that's my like default. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm just people, mad. I'm mad. Yes, and people again, people process grief in such different ways, and I think that's one thing that I've I've really had to str- to figure out with my f- the family dynamic um, of how we are all processing it in a different way, and yeah. to be okay with that yeah. because I can't 
control how somebody is going to feel. Right. Or even because if they're, if they're not to feeling it the same it. way. Exactly. It's like, that's not fair to anyone. Yeah. And um, I've just got to learn to do what's best for me. Yeah. Um, and that might sound selfish, but, um, but if I, I can't speak fair. to my brothers or my dad or my husband, then, you know, I can speak to my mum's friends. Like, that's something, that's a great outlet for me is to speak to them about mum and keep, you know, those memories alive through her friends. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's been really helpful. But um, my dad is selling the family home. Mm. And so that's, uh, all these memories are sort of flooding back in now yeah. of our times together as a family. Just obviously life is moving on. Right. Um, and it's the right thing to do, yeah. definitely. But um, it's still hard. Yeah. You know, I went over there the other day and just going through some, finding some old children's books even. Yeah. Or whatever it is, like an old little toy. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm quite a sentimental mm. person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all of that stuff is really important to me. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you for being willing to talk about yeah, this. It's sure. really like I, I, re- I had said I want to talk about this eventually. Yeah. And I had approached several people, and they were like, nope, I'm not going to talk about that. Right, just because uh, it's, it's quite a difficult or yeah. personal or, thing. And because this becomes a, a public thing. Right. It's one thing to have that conversation one-to-one, but it's a different thing to record it and no, send it I know. out there into but the I world. But I do, I just, like I said, I think it is really important to share um, and because it's something we don't talk about enough. But I'm not saying that I want to be an open book where I'm like screaming it from my lungs in the in the playground. Like we met at the school playground. I don't think hardly anyone knows. Yeah. In that circle of friends that my mom has died. Right. Because I don't choose to just say that. Yeah. It's a personal, you know, choice. But it's just I don't want to be defined by that. But at the same time, I, I'd love it if people did know what I've been going through and why certain days are harder for me like mother's day or any of that stuff but um you know so i I want to be more open but at the same time um i want to do it in the right way yeah well and it's hard to know where you're safe because if you show up and you're vulnerable and someone just sort of like and cuts Uh across you and doesn't pay attention to the fact that you're offering up this little tender part of yourself you're like well forget that Right. I'm not going back yeah. to showing you this little, like, here's my little heart yeah. part. And you're yeah. there like, oh, let me poke it. No, <laughs> I'm not showing it to you anymore. Right. And it might, again, be like a little English <clears throat> side of me where I just want to keep things private. And also maybe that's a part of mum, like, because she did keep things private and personal. So, um, yeah. but then I think towards the end, she really did open up more on that stuff. So, hmm. well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank I appreciate you. you. Thanks, Ariana. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. So that was my interview with Lindsay. And I realized upon editing that um, this topic specifically uh, made me very talkative. (laughs) Um, So I ended up taking up a good chunk of that interview. And uh, Lindsay and I talked about that later. And I was like, I talk a lot. (laughs) Uh, I just get going. And sorry. Uh, Maybe that's why I have a podcast. I don't know. Um, and the interesting phenomenon of me forgetting my brother, the year of my brother's death, uh, I, I did some reading about that and actually it's kind of a thing that people, it just feels like it's, doesn't feel real that years have gone by. So my brain says, I'm not going to deal with that. That's, that's not happening. Um, so I can't assign a date or a year. Anyway, uh, I felt like really upset that I couldn't remember his, the year of my brother's death. Anyway, um, but thank you so much again to my guest, Lindsay Lowe, for being willing to share. It's such an intimate, um, hard thing to share with people. It feels so vulnerable and so raw and so tender and like you don't want to hold it out there for everybody, but not sharing it is, um, is really hard and it's really, um, not healthy maybe for me anyway. Uh, you do you, um, but I... I was so glad to get to really just sit and talk and hear Lindsay talk about her story because grief is so it's, I have a a friend who says that, um, I'm sure you've heard this before, but grief shared is grief halved. 
Um, and when we hold it, it's just too heavy a burden to get to hold it by ourselves. And when we hand it and share our grief with someone else, um, then it's lessened. And that was kind of this experience for me with Lindsay, that we were able to share this together and just talk about the reality of parenting with while also going through a huge amount of grief. And that's a real thing for a lot of people. Um, so if that's you, I want you to know that uh, there are other people out there like you who are going through this too. And you are understood and you are seen and you are known. And we hear you. And um, if you want to reach out, my email is icumamapodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at I-S-E-E, the letter U, M-A-M-A, I see you mama. Or you can look up maybe you can look up the podcast on Facebook. I see you mama podcast. Just Google that uh, or search for it in the Facebook field. It'll pop up. Um, you can get in touch in so many ways. I'm on um, the podcast is on Instagram. Just leave a message. And if this uh, episode was important for you or it said something to you, just reach out and let me know. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. This has been I See You Mama, the podcast, and I hope you'll be back next week. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. Have a great day. I see you, Mama.